Yo, Taste Buds, if you are anything like me, one of your favorite things to do while vacationing is to enjoy delicious food and drinks. I mean, what's the purpose of vacationing if not to go enjoy delicious food and drink? Well, at Universal Orlando Resort in Orlando, Florida, you will find a vacation experience where even your own taste buds get to go on an adventure. While it would probably take an entire week to try all the food they offer, here are some fan favorite stops. You can start your day with a breakfast pizza. Oh, that's beautiful. At the newest Universal Hotel, it's the Endless Summer Resort, Surfside Inn and Suites, opening June the 27th. Experience a mix of American, Mediterranean, and Asian fair cuisine at the award-winning Mythos Restaurant, M-Y-T-H-O-S, or cool off with a Waturi Fusion ice cream cone at Universal's Volcano Bay. Get a taste of Italy for dinner with freshly prepared pasta at Vivo Italian Kitchen and satisfy your sweet tooth at the Toothsome Chocolate Emporium and Savory Feast Kitchen. Download Universal Orlando Resort's foodie bucket list on their blog and visit www.universalorlando.com to start planning your vacation today. Hey, Hungry Homies, do you want to improve your golf game this season? First of all, you should listen to the Ringers Golf Podcast, Fairway Rollin', but you can also get access to the biggest names in golf instruction, like Butch Harmon, David Ledbetter, Jim McClain, and Hank Haney, Callaway's own Hank Haney, with a subscription to Golf Digest Schools. Send videos of your swing to be analyzed by a Golf Digest ranked teacher and get a one-year subscription to Golf Digest magazine. I have done that. My swing is being analyzed. Visit golfdigest.com slash allaccess and use promo code CARBS to get 30% off an annual subscription. That's golfdigest.com slash allaccess. Promo code C-A-R-B-S. 30% off an annual subscription and get that swing analyzed. Buds, my culinary comrades, my hungry homies, we have done it. We are back. It is another edition of House of Carbs, the food podcast for the hungry people. By the hungry people, I am your hungry host, Joe House. The summer is upon us, my friends. It's time to start getting out your grill. Some of you have already done so. Memorial Day weekend just happened. I was able to get out my beautiful brand new Uni Coda pizza oven, an outdoor pizza oven. I will talk about that in a bit, but I did some grilling with that sucker. Of course, it's also the season to be going abroad, and as is our way here on House of Carbs, we love to talk to our taste buds from the ringer who have been doing some traveling or have some food tales from their hometowns. We have on today's edition, none other than the chief, Craig Gaines, copy chief at the ringer. 
He and his wife were in Montreal a few weeks ago. And we have a delicious conversation. You're not going to believe the food item. I asked him to rank them. There is one item that I just wasn't expecting to hear was his number one food item from his experience in Montreal. Lots of pictures of that. They're going to go up on the House of Carbs. And we talked to our beloved Kevin Clark. You know him from all NFL walks of life uh, and, uh, and his beautiful Slow News Day digital video series that I can't get enough of. Kevin Clark is from Orlando, Florida. So we talk a little bit about the food renaissance occurring in Orlando. In fact, let's get in that belly with our buddy Kevin Clark, and then we're going to talk to the chief Craig Gaines about Montreal after that. And I promise you will be edified and a little bit hungry. Let's get in that belly with Kevin Clark. All right, my culinary comrades, we are taking advantage of some in-house resources here at The Ringer. You know from our travels uh, abroad, Danny Chow, The Ringer food correspondent, he is not afraid to get on an airplane and visit uh, cities in these great United States as well as Canada. And and if uh, he can get The Ringer to fly him to Europe he will go there and eat there as well. But we also have uh, in the house folks who who hail from different parts of, of the country. And we're always keen to get sort of updates from our uh, native residents on what's happening with the food scenes in their part of the world. I am sitting across from staff writer. I follow his NFL beat religiously. He's also on the down low a uh, golf gambling nut, and we compare notes notes on this as well. My homie, Kevin Clark, how are you, buddy? I'm very well. I'm very well. I'm, uh, I was in Orlando two weeks ago. Yeah. I, had, I had to, because the Magic were in the playoffs, I had to write a lot of recommendation emails about restaurants and stuff, so this is fresh on the brain here. So, right. Fortuitous timing. We're sitting here. Kevin hails from Orlando, Florida. And I have been going to Orlando for a number of consecutive years now, attending the PGA show, which is a, a uh, in the first part of, of the year, January of every year, um, there's a, they get into the convention center and it's basically a quarter zip convention. Yep. Uh, middle-aged white men convene and we talk mm-hmm. about all the brand new golf products and then they eat you know, steak and they, and they eat steak. So that, that's a great um, sort of a, a segue into the underrated aspects of the Orlando food scene, the underrated and unexplored aspects, because most folks, when they think of Orlando, think about the parks. Well, it's funny because you brought that up, that article from the Chicago Tribune said, away from the parks, some some thrills. Yes. That article is written like once every 18 months. Sure. And, and, and that's a good thing. And, yeah. and I remember like 12 years ago, the New York Times wrote a story about a little neighborhood right next to me. It might be my neighborhood, depending on where where you you draw the lines, uh, Thornton Park. It was just like, this is a cute little neighborhood away from the parks. And we were like, we made it. And then they kept writing that article every single year about little <laughs> different neighborhoods in Orlando. And that that's fine. Um, yeah, it's it's underrated. I would say that there's some there's some weird parts of it. It's a bit like Las Vegas in this regard. There's really good food to be had in some of the spots, but they're in strange places that sort of mitigates the good food, right? So like when my wife and I go to Las Vegas, she'll see a place that she couldn't get into in New York for, for two years right. and they'll have 90 tables and no one's there. And it's the same food, 
but is it necessarily the same vibe, right? Um, and so when I was growing up, the best restaurant in my opinion, was Emeril Lagazzi's restaurant. And that happened to be in the middle of a huge plaza at Universal. And it's like, well, is this really a great place to eat? I don't I don't know. So this um, is why I wanted to ask you yeah. about. So um, in your experience, you lived in Orlando all of your life yeah. until you left Orlando. I went I went to school in Miami, so I was in Orlando all the time. Yeah, you were right. So, so in your experience, how has the food scene kind of evolved yeah, over so that time? Orlando, and this is true of Florida in general, it's a very young state. And it's changing all the time. The demographics are changing. There's, there's a lot of young people um, in Orlando. And because of that, a lot of different food scenes have sprouted up. Yes. Um, there's great, great new American stuff all through. You know, there's a very ritzy suburb called Winter Park where a lot of the magic players live. And that has developed into kind of a, a, a fine dining hub. Um, and then you have places downtown where, where you know, downtown was nothing 15 years ago. And now it's got really cool places um, like the Rusty Spoon. And, um, you know, th- th- that's mostly where I spend most of my time. It's a very cool, vibrant place. But again, because there's a lot of land, because there's a lot of new people moving in, it is gets reinvigorated like once a year. It's very cool. Oh, wow. So growing up, you yeah. mentioned the Emerald Lagasse place that was physically on the premises of Universal. <laughs> yeah. Like when it was right cl- next to Margaritaville. When it was Clark family dinner time. Yeah. What what would you all do? We get in the it car and go of, where? We kind of went to the we probably went to the Emerald restaurant more than we should have. Okay, well, no, yeah. that's fine because yeah. that's that's there wasn't every, a lot, every family there wasn't has a, a lot twenty years. Like my brother's high school graduation dinner was at the Emerald's restaurant. Right. Uh, yeah. This is why I'm asking. Yeah. You're setting the scene here. Right. Now what sort of um, um, ethnicities mm-hmm. were, you know, because we know about the Vietnamese community that's there. The Vietnamese community and the Puerto Rican community. Both um, of those there this entire, for, for, the, for you know, all yes. of your growing up or have they yes. greatly? The Puerto Rican community has always been there. Yes. Uh, because of the hurricane. Right. Unfortunately, a lot of people have been displaced and have moved to Orlando and um, it's made it even more vibrant um, mm-hmm. as far as that goes. So the Puerto Rican community has grown over the past two or so years. Um, so that's that's bigger than ever. And so you have those two vibrant communities. You know, um, I would say that the the little Saigon area, which is near Mills 50, which is sort of near downtown, is is a pretty famous concentration of Vietnamese restaurants. And it's really cool. Um, the, 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 you, know, you can pretty much just pop your head in anywhere and you'll have a really good time. And that's also near very cool stretch of bars on Mills Avenue where all the coolest people I know hang out there. Um, places like Will's Pub or, or Little Indies next to it. And so that's that's a really cool area if you want that. But again, that's something that 10 years ago, no one was even thinking about Mills Avenue and just popped oh. up out of nowhere. Okay. And that's the cool thing is you're just, they're just rewriting and rewriting the city over and over again because there's just a lot. It's just, you know, no one cared about that city until 1972. Uh-huh. With, with what? The arrival of Disney? Of Walt Disney, yeah. 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 Okay. So, right. On on a on a calendar, that's not very long. That's no. That's 47 right. years, right? And so they were the ones, Disney and Universal and SeaWorld or whatever, were the ones who basically had an entertainment monopoly for a long time. What's been happening now that there's over 2 million people in Orlando is that they're, they're able to build their own infrastructure. Yeah. Okay. So that, that's, that does kind of set a stage. Now what, um, in terms of like the, 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 the growth of, of the food options there, is there any particular thing that really captures what, what's going on? Hmm. That's a great question. I would say that, um, 
some of the stuff downtown, some you know stuff like the Rusty Spoon, I think that ha- has has really shown what a good sort of vibrant downtown can include. Um, and again, that was some, something that wasn't around 15 years ago. I would say that Winter Park, if you want to get really good food away from the parks, Winter Park is the best place. Ravenous Pig is probably the best restaurant in Orlando. Um, the Winter Park Fish Company is is another place that everybody loves. Places like that, um, Luma downtown or in in sort of on a really nice trip in, in Winter Park, I, I quite like. But I think that the best thing about Orlando right now is just walking around downtown after a big Magic game, or, or they love the soccer team down there, the Orlando City, uh, the Orlando City team, and uh, just walking around, getting into a bar, and just having a good burger. Um, I just think there's a lot. Of hamburger, ham- there's Hamburger Mary's right down next to, uh, next to the Orlando Arena. I just think that one of the true, true great things about Orlando is that they've built up a place now where you can just go downtown and find a good bite. You don't have to go on TripAdvisor and, and look up what has 4.6 stars. You can just bop around, have a beer, have a beer. Right, and there's like 15 good bars within three blocks of each other. Okay. And then just get a good burger. So uh, let me share with you kind of my observation, my experience now having been to Orlando probably like six times mm-hmm. in the last four years or so. Um, Always out by the parks. Yeah. So, well, no, some downtown also, but over time I've, I've, you know, my food curiosity takes over. I want to go around. So I've been to, um, to hunger street tacos, um, which is cool. And, and, you know, I, there's a, I have a Thai place that I don't feel like I want to share. Because uh, I don't want anybody to go there. Did you just go full Anthony Bourdain on us? It's already, well, it's already like popular okay. enough. And it's in the, like the downtown area. Yeah. So it's not that hard to discover it. But um, I love the experience of it. It's 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 always a, a, a very authentic um, experience that the... the uh, I love being able to have direct input in the level of heat. That mm-hmm. doesn't make it, you know, that unique. But I just like the way they, they these folks. Um, if you uh, are willing to to put yourself into the, um, you know, into danger with a certain heat <laughs> level, they're happy to accommodate that, yeah. and I appreciate it. Um, you know, they don't customize necessarily to you know an American palette um so I, I i appreciate that the thing that i have found i've had some great like new american yeah, kind of experiences that's, that's the, the focal point of most of the places and that have popped up in the last 10 years the thing i've i haven't ha- had any success with uh and i'm glad to have you here for this moment where do you get good italian food in orlando i'm putting you on the spot Oof. but it's because i i it feels like um there should be just because of how popular Italian yeah. is for the for the American palate, like just for people who are coming to the parks now at the parks, yeah, I'm sure the, there's a, I mean, the adjacent they, the adjacent you know re, uh, resorts they they all have an iteration of Italian. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I think that um, I, I got to tell you, a Google search is, is not encouraging here. <laughs> I, um, I, I get it. I no, get it. I, I just I I feel like there's and so a bunch of. Um, a bunch of uh, Italian restaurants are about to get mad at us. I feel like if well, I want to pose this challenge to yeah, you. I mean, I there's some great sort of hole in the wall slice places on Orange Avenue. Okay, um, I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah, that's nobody where, told me that. That's where I like literal hole in the wall. Like there's a window and you get up. There's that's three, what I there's want. Three or four. Sometimes, of those I, sometimes I want there's a three slice. or four of those places. There's one a block away from Wall Street, which is the big bar district. There's one closer down. Um, 
kind of near where the Grand Bohemian is, the big hotel. Um, so there's a couple of the, I, I when I want to slice, I just pop my head in one of those places. Okay, that's so, good. I but don't that's, have. I don't that's have not names. all Italian. Yeah, no, 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 no. I right. I don't. I where are you going to get good like lasagna or or fettuccine Alfredo? I don't know. Okay. I, I apologize. Fresh made pasta. No, no, it's fine. This yeah. is a great challenge pro- for both of us. There's probably some pl- places out by the parks. It's really good. And this because is- again, there's a lot of places, you know, there's a, like the, the, the true best food in Orlando, unfortunately, is probably the restaurant at the hotel at the Grand Floridian, which is out at Disney, right? Uh, and it's called Victorian Alberts, I think. And like, but again, so you get into like, are you going to go there for fine dining? Or are you just going to go downtown and, you know, grab an IPA and sit outside? Well, um, that's, that's, that's the, I think the struggle that Orlando faces. But it's a, a it's a, kind of a great problem because one of the things that I'm excited to explore, I think I might be going down to Orlando this summer because um, I want to go eat at um, Universal. Because okay. the, the thing that has been occurring at the parks is the rising tide of American food expectations. Yeah. You know, um, so the, the parks understand that people coming from from all over the country, all over the world to the parks have an expectation of, of you know, great food. Now, Epcot was a little ahead of its time in terms yes. of, you know, in, in, in a singular place trying to develop, uh, deliver a, 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 you know, a broad array of cuisines in a way that, that you know, had a kind of authenticity. Um, they there was a, a a desire to you know a, a pretty famous desire to try and capture it in a way um, that that was accurate. Um, but you know I think there is. So I've had good Italian in Orlando at uh, the restaurant at one of the resorts. Right. Again, I'm not going to share it. But there is a bucatini alla matriciana that I just think is spectacular. Um, I said it wrong. I don't care. I, I understand why you wouldn't name the Thai place. I yeah. do not understand why you're not naming a restaurant at one of the resorts. Well, <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. You know, I, I, I <laughs> CTC. You understand? <laughs> I, I mean, they didn't. Cut, they haven't cut the check, so I can't say it. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm teasing, but like, this is the whole thing. We're belly sourcing for all our hungry homies out yeah. there. And we're trying to give, you know, folks the, 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 the comfort that if you go to Orlando, you have a reason to go there. There's a business convention. You're going to the parks with your family. You don't have to just eat inside the parks. This is the whole story that, that we yeah. just, you know, and then there's, there's so many cool places. I look at Florida sort of in a, in a big picture standpoint. My favorite place to eat in Florida, it's about an hour and a half away from Orlando. It's called St. Augustine. It's probably my favorite oh, city in Florida. I, I've been to St. Augustine for the last couple of years. Yeah, and it's like, that's a place where there's just five great spots. Where? And, let's let's talk about oh, okay, it. Okay, so... I'm psyched. Okay, so my favorite place in Florida to eat uh, is a place called the Floridian down. It's actually in the tourist area, but it's definitely it's off the beaten path of the tourist area. Okay, um, that's down there. Love Gypsy Cab Company. Um, that's not anywhere near the touristy area. And then Saltwater Cowboys, just this kind of rustic fish camp place. And I just think that's where that's a good example. St. Augustine is a good example of what's happened to Florida, where and this is something that happens to Orlando too. Where because it's such a young state, and it, the irony here is that that St. Augustine is literally the oldest city in America, but the Floridian wasn't there in, in 1500. Um, and so the, I, I just think that there's so many things popping up now that if you hadn't been to a place in 10 years, you may have missed it. And that's the case, you know, every place basically, but Key West has changed dramatically in the last 10 years. And, and it's a good, great place to eat. By the way, Key West, great place to eat. So you just mentioned you used um, this term fish camp, mm-hmm. which I don't have a ton of ex- experience with, but I did, um, you know, because it's not, 
uh, a thing that belongs to other. You don't. You know, I don't think you bump into a fish camp kind of idea in in even in like low country, Charleston, South Carolina. Right. You definitely don't bump into it in the Mid Atlantic. It's not a New England kind of vibe. I'm I'm looking at now. I was in uh, Ponte Vedra sometime in the last yeah, handful yeah. of years, and I ate at the Palm Valley Fish Camp, and it was effing spectacular. It was it, if you can go to a fish camp and it's a real fish camp, I recommend it. So, that's that's my recommendation. But let's let's break down what are the elements of a fish camp? Are they fish to there? You. They, there's fishing. <laughs> there's literal when you when you're at the docks near those near near a fish camp and saltwater cowboys one of those. There are big cages to catch the crabs. There are people who are fishing um, all around. There, you know, it takes maybe a few minutes to drive when you're sort of on the dirt roads and you'll see fishing all over the place. There might be, depending on the fish camp, there might be some, some wildlife you consider dangerous crawling around. Um, okay. So you know. those are some of the things I will tell you another element that I think is important to a fish camp, having experienced it all of twice in my life. It, there's got to be a blackboard and there's got to be chalk and they oh, have to absolutely. be writing on the blackboard with chalk what the fish is that they caught that day. A- absolutely. What everything they, comes with cornbread. Yeah, everything comes with cornbread. Thing. Excellent. Very good. Um, the beer selection is usually limited, but that's okay because mm-hmm. it's a good vibes kind of thing. You're it's right fun. about You're this. You're drinking a Mick Ultra and everything's fine. You're not even mad about it. <laughs> well, I would I would have Budweiser, but that's fine. Yeah, whatever. Either yeah. one. Bud Light. <laughs> but baby, Drink Bud responsibly. Light. You're going crazy if you're yeah. going crazy. And so I just think that um, those are the best. And this is sort of the broader point in Orlando. Orlando, the beach cities, whatever, they all speak to it, is that a lot of times the vibe is more important than the food. The food is always is, is you can find good food. Um, and, and the places I named are that, but sometimes you just want to be on the marshes, just, you know, some guys fishing 40 feet away from you. There might be an alligator in the wetlands and you're just having a, having a nice little, you know, quail or something. Or, 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 uh, gator fritters. Why not? Gator fritters are the pinnacle. I, I didn't know They're that. The absolute benefit. But if, gator tail, I think, is what. Is sure. What those, um, I want to pick, pick your brain. This this is going to be. I'm sorry. I'm I'm stepping on you. It's okay. Um, I have uh, uh this working thesis, and I want to explore it more in depth. And I haven't yet figured out um the group of folks that I want to talk to 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 try this with. And I haven't been down there myself, but I have this working thesis that Miami, Florida, is simultaneously an overrated. And yeah. an underrated food town. Agreed. That, 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 that's, that's a great way to put it. So I lived there during college. It gets back to what we're talking about, where some of the low-key, just grab a beer, grab, you know, have some chicken. Those places are amazing. And then you get on South Beach and, you know, well, look, Joe Stone Crab, great place. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I don't. I w- I've never been to the that prime place. It always had a really long line, and every yeah. famous person was there for the Super Bowl. Yes. I, that just never interested me very much. Um, I think some of those places can be very, very overpriced. I mean, it's a bit. It's not not unlike New York, sure, um, where you can find some really great holes in the wall. Um, I think that the Cuban community is just unbelievable. It's incredible. I mean, you can go you, to Versailles, or which is the most famous Cuban place, obviously, or you can go to any number of places and just have an amazing time. That's right, a place with a name that that you know. You it doesn't matter what the name is. You're just walking in. There's ten tables, and you're sitting down, and you're having you know this the most incredible uh, version that's transporting you to 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 Havana. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it really is special. So i 
I agree with you. Um, I think that the most famous places in Miami tend to be overrated and the places you never heard of tend to be underrated. So I'm, I'm interested. I'm going to keep working on this and all the uh, taste buds out there. Please hit us up on the Twitter and our Instagram at the House of Carbs with, Love you know, it. how should we tackle this Miami project? Because I really do we just go down try there and give three months. I, I, that would be the optimal. I would like that. The I mean, three- to be fair, I was there for uh, like three and a half years and I don't know the answers. And maybe we just need to all relocate there. <laughs> that that would be one I way. I didn't get the answer totally <laughs> in that long. So we need longer. I have other responsibilities in my life. I'm so I'm, I'm not sure that three I, and half, I thought I you were committed to this project. So. I, well, I, I think this is the whole thrust of, of House of Carbs. We belly source. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we do here, Kevin Clark. <laughs> So, uh, well, let, let, let's end it on that note. I think Perfect. that's the right note. We've asked all the hungry homies out there, the culinary comrades, the taste buds, to help us with this uh, Miami project. But And I really feel like we've done a great job of scratching the surface of what just the Florida cuisine experience is all about. It's a big state. I'm psyched to be able to commend non-park food to folks visiting Orlando, but I'm also psyched to commend the park food, the rising tide, the elevating, elevated expectations and the park's efforts to meet those expectations in terms of cuisine. I love the um, Disney Springs thing. There's an Art Smith place uh, there. He is, um, you know, Oprah's guy yeah. from Chicago. And there's also a Morimoto place. So, you know, the, the uh, I- importing of, you know, f- famous chefs coming in and, you know, landing with the kind of their, their uh, hallmark elevated versions of, of um, Florida cuisine. And I always am digging the Southern options that are, yes. that are available down there, those influences. But I, I really feel like we, we've done a good job of, of introducing the idea. We got to get go you to some more fish camps. Yes. I'm fish all camp about tour the fish Florida. Camp. They're everywhere. Let's do it. Let's do it. You and I, let's figure out the right time. We'll do a little golf. We'll, uh, the Magic has to make the playoffs again. Next April. It's okay. happening. All We're right. only getting better. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks, Kevin Clark. All right, my thanks to the homie Kevin Clark. I'm still not telling anybody the name of my favorite Thai restaurant in Orlando because I can't share it. But a lot of great food options in Orlando. Speaking of great food options... It is grilling time. A steak on the grill, my friends, is the ultimate summer meal. And a Snake River Farms American Wagyu Tomahawk is the ultimate steak. This is a richly marbled, two-inch, thick-cut steak attached to a long, exposed rib bone. Each steak weighs at least two and a half pounds. Snake River Farms cross reads intensely marbled and highly prized purebred Japanese Wagyu cattle with traditional American cattle breeds and the result is Snake River Farms melt-in-your-mouth cuts with intense intermuscular marbling a la the Japanese Wagyu and the robust beef flavor of an American beef. Snake River Farms optimizes the large amounts of marbling by slow feeding an average of three times longer than the traditional U.S. commodity beef animals. All American Wagyu steaks from Snake River Farms grade out well above USDA prime beef 
and are available in all the classic steakhouse cuts like New York strips, filet mignon, porterhouse, and ribeyes, along with butcher's favorites like Terrius Majors, Bavette, Picanha, Flat Iron, and Skirt Steaks. Go to snakeriverfarms.com and enter the promo code HOUSE for 20% off your order. That's snakeriverfarms.com, promo code H-O-U-S-E. Today's show also brought to us by our good friends at Uni, O-O-N-I. You know this by Hungry Homies. The average American will eat 46 slices of pizza this year. Uni revolutionized outdoor cooking with the world's first portable wood-fired pizza oven so you can get restaurant-quality pizza in your own backyard. The key to making great pizza at home is heat. Uni ovens heat to 932 degrees, giving you the crispy outer and chewy inner crust. They have three distinct models, the Coda, the Uni 3, and the Uni Pro. Your Uni is not just for amazing pizzas. Use it for perfectly seared steaks and vegetables, too. Culinary comrades, I have been teasing the Uni Coda that I have in my home. I was very pleased this Memorial Day weekend. Summer is upon us to unbox it. It was crazy easy to assemble. Did not need tools. You just set up the little uh, tripod legs. The steel is, I have the the, the steel that goes inside to hold the, uh, the, the pizza stone. And I'm telling you, this thing, it was super easy to attach to the propane. It fires right up. You give it 15 minutes to preheat heat. Now, I was doing some experimenting this weekend, my friends, because I will just confess right here, my hungry homies, I have not done a lot of uh, pizza baking at these kinds of temperatures. I mean, this is a high-powered piece of equipment, not to be trifled with. So I had some pizza dough and I was going for various layers of thickness with the dough and what kind of char do I want on the bottom. And I let the thing get up. I found that about 800 degrees was my optimal target. I have a, uh, one of those infrared thermometer kind of dealios. So you could stand back and get the, the, the air temperature inside that thing. And I was getting a little bit of success at 800 degrees. I'm still working on it. I didn't, I, all I did was cheese pizza for this first try. But the thing that I did do was a couple of delicious skirt steaks, and I'm very happy to report those guys came out absolutely perfect. Go to uni.com and enter code HOC for 10% off your purchase. That's O-O-N-I.com to get your Uni Coda, your Uni 3, or your Uni Pro. Enter HOC at checkout for 10% off your purchase. Enjoy fast, free shipping on all orders over $100. O-O-N-I.com, code HOC. All right, my taste buds. One of my very favorite things about doing House of Carbs out of the Rigor Podcast Network is the enormous in-house diversity 
of the hungry homies we have that, that, that occupy the, the ringer space. And, you know, it really gives us a lot of opportunities to compare notes, to explore as our own ringer homies are out on the road exploring great food all across the world. I mean, we had John Gonzalez on a few weeks ago. Uh, giving us his Greek experience. Our beloved Mallory Rubin was on a month ago, South by Southwest down in Austin. I'm sitting next to the chief, our own beloved, you know him, you love him, the copy chief here at The Ringer, Craig Gaines. He's been on at least three times on this program. He just recently went to Montreal, Canada. We're going to do Best Thing I Ate This Week, but we're really going to do our our, our own, uh, you know, we're going to uh, step by step go through this tour of Montreal that Craig just that, that just went on. Chief, how are you, my friend? Joe, I'm great. Uh, it was a great trip. Um, I'd like to actually end every vacation just doing a podcast with you because it's a great way to organize my thoughts and kind of relive the great time. Um, well, as long as you go to great places that have great food and, and eat great, you're welcome. That's a, that's a deal. Pretty safe bet. Too. <laughs> <laughs> so let, let's talk about this. Uh, you just got back. How yeah. recently was this trip? It was, it was j- just last week. Uh, we were in New York for uh, part of a week. We were there for my wife's birthday. She loves to get to New York every couple of years on her birthday. Absolutely. And then uh, Montreal had, already, had always been on the, on the list. And if you're anywhere, you know, on the East Coast, especially, you know, the Upper Eastern Seaboard, it is a very quick flight to Montreal. So very easy to tack that on. Absolutely. So uh, you had this on your list. You wanted to do Montreal. You, you made it happen. Um, how did you prepare for this Montreal experience? You know, it was, um, it was the usual um, uh, traipsing around on the internet, looking yes. at various lists. We were also lucky enough to have some friends who had uh, gone to school there. Mm. McGill is there, right? So there's a lot of people who um, had really fun. That was that would be a very fun town to go to college in, and um, also just some like neighbors and friends who either gr- grown up there or spent time there. So it was a combination of the power of the internet and the power of uh, informed friendships. Yeah, that's and um, a, a great a great part. Part of going there is if you stay anywhere in any of the central neighborhoods, and I think we'll talk about this, you can also just walk around and just stumble into just um, like dozens of really fun, great spaces too. So you want to do some research, but as long as you place yourself centrally, you're going to find some great places as well. Let's just start like at the 50,000 foot level, extolling the virtues of Montreal. Yeah. What a what an unbelievable gem it Montreal, really is. Canada is, yeah. right? Yeah. I feel like if you are someone who is serious about understanding like the food scene of North America, Montreal is someplace you have to visit at some point. It's really like no place I've ever been to in the U.S., Canada, or Mexico. You know, obviously it has the French influences. Everyone knows about that. I would also say that um, after New York, it's one of the absolute centers of Jewish cuisine Mm. on the continent. Um, Just a very uh, deep, uh, soulful um, Jewish food culture. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's even more diverse uh, than that. There's, um, there are a lot of uh, Portuguese uh, places, um, obviously just a lot of like straight ahead Canadian cuisine. One night we pass in, uh, an Afghan place. Um, so it's, it, it really starts there with the French Canadian Jewish nexus, 
but it really then goes out uh, from there as well. Yeah, we have been celebrating Toronto on this show for a while, and and I think deservedly so. Danny went to Danny Chow, the Ringer food correspondent, went to Toronto last year and wrote about his experience there and the incredible diversity, uh, the true melting pot of, of Toronto, Canada. But that doesn't, by uh, uh, contradistinction, um, diminish Montreal in any no way, way, shape, or form. No way. I mean, I think I think that they, they like those two cities um, really just act as like amazing um, kind of bookends to um, you know like an understanding of like modern like Canadian and like North American cuisine, because I mean, those are also two like stories of like various like immigrant cultures and histories, right? right? You know, this is like one of the great things about thinking about like a city's food scene is you could, well, well, why is this the case? Why does um, Toronto have such like an amazing, like, like uh, Asian food scene? Why does Montreal have such an amazing, you know, like French food scene and Jewish food scene? It, It also tells the story of these various, uh, populations and demographics coming to these cities like throughout like the 19th and 20th centuries. So this is a, a terrific segue into the first place, you know, day one. Uh, God bless you, chief. You, you sent along, you know, the five day uh, virtually all human powered. It's a walking that's tour right. with a little bit of cycling as well, but that's, that's right. also part of the charm of Montreal. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really uh, compact. Very compact and, and totally uh, accessible on foot or or on pedals, if that's your that's right. if that's your thing. Um, but I love the very first place you guys went to is, is a Syrian right. uh, place. And, you know, over the course of our uh, dialogue and our, um, you know, recognition of, of Toronto as uh, an interesting place, there, there has been stories about um, Syrians who uh, have had to emigrate there right. because of, you know, what's going on in Syria yeah. and the welcoming nature of, of Toronto. Right. And here you are in Montreal, the very first place you go to is a Syrian place. Right. It's called Damas. Um, absolute gorgeous interior. Um, I don't know the full history of the place, but it seems like it's uh, it's definitely embedded there in the city and it's been there for quite a while. Um, and it really just like right off the bat, it was definitely a sort of like curveball for us for our first night. You know, here we are in Montreal. Do we want to get poutine? Do we want to go go to a Jewish deli? Something like that. We got in kind of late and um, we just sort of surveyed what was available. And oh, well, there's this Syrian place that I had read about. Um it just like a really welcoming, warm vibe there. We had an amazing, uh, it was like a um, eggplant and lamb stew oh. with some uh, like uh, pita uh, bread strips. It was almost like the, 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 the server described it as almost like Syrian nachos. Oh. And it was, it was amazing. It was like virtually every single thing we ate in Montreal, delicious and rich. This is one of the absolute through lines of Montreal is that when you go to Montreal, be ready to eat and just forget about your cholesterol count for a few days. Just hit the gym when you go back because you are not going to uh, take any breaks while you're there. So um, what was the weather like while you were there? (laughs) We thought we were going in the heart of spring, but then we forgot that it was Canada. (laughs) And so it was definitely chillier than we expected. And so I was certainly often wearing every single layer uh, that I had packed, but it, was, it ended up being fine. Uh, it didn't really rain um, too much. At night, it could get pretty chilly, but at no point 
Um, you know, we were just there last week, so it was like late April, early early May. Yeah, so the, the reason I ask is because you're right off the bat eating this rich, hearty yeah. stew that feels best, I think, when you've got some layers on, Absolutely. when your nose is, you yes, touch your nose, right. and it feels cool to the touch. That's right. And so it, it, there, there really is that match yes. Uh, yes. That, that makes sense. It's right? funny, you wouldn't think about that with Syrian cuisine, but it's 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 definitely true. It's, it's a very warm, welcoming vibe in there. And honestly, this is another just like thing to know about Montreal and so many Northern cities is that the cold weather cuisine throughout is just spectacular. And there are many more examples of that throughout sure, the tour. Sure, sure. Okay. So that was your uh, entry point, um, and it was a, a perfect way to kick it off. Let's talk a little bit about day two. Man, day two was really just like a uh, eating day highlight for um, for my wife and I. One of the things that um, you always hear about um, with regard to Montreal is the bagels. And, you know, there's sort of a New York versus Montreal bagel conversation. I, 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 I've become aware of this, but really, like, who knew? Yeah, yeah. It's, um, and, you know, some people, they, they hear bagels and they either think, uh, it's just a hunk of bread, I don't care, or bagels are fine. To someone like uh, my wife and I, bagels are almost like a soul food. Okay. Really, like, you know, like, if you grew up in a even, like, somewhat Jewish household, yeah. bagels are going to be something that is just, like, you had it all the time. And, um, you know, it can take many different forms, many different toppings. Um, the quick breakdown between the New York and Montreal bagel is that the New York bagel is uh, a bit more substantial, uh, more savory. The Montreal bagel is lighter. The actual, the hole in the middle is much wider. It's really more of a ring oh. than, you know, like a, more of a disc with a hole in it, like the New York bagel is. And there's a sweetness to it because uh, when it's, I don't know everything about the process, but when it's, when the dough is being boiled, there's honey in the water as okay. well. And so one of my big questions was, well, how sweet are they? And the answer is, uh, perfectly sweet. It's not ah. overpowering, but so th this was the first, the, the first bagel we had there. There are two main places in Montreal. Uh, uh, and also just blanket apology to any French speaker. I'm going to hack a lot of <laughs> French pronunciations, but there's St. Viator and Fairmount. And so the first place we went to is St. Viator. Uh, there are a few different locations. They just have these, um, you know, uh, like rustic uh, ovens that they're just um, pumping bagels out 24 hours a day, mm. both of them. Um, you go, just go up to the counter, order a few. You ask what's fresh out of the oven. It's almost always going to be sesame. Uh, you get two, like still warm to the touch sesame bagels. You can get cream cheese. You don't have to. Go outside. It's cold. Just tear into the thing. Mm -hmm. it, it, it is one of the most memorable food experiences of my life. Wow. Just because it, you, 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 you're eating this very simple thing, this thing that is like, you know, been in existence in one form or another for like maybe centuries. Yes. And you bite into it and you just, it's like a tour of texture and, um, you know, flavor, subtlety, and, um, you know, just like, like rustic handmade baking. So help me understand the texture part in, in particular, does it crack when so, you bite? Yes. It's on the outside, it's uh, nice and crispy. And then especially on the fresh ones, yeah. the, the minute you get past the crust, it is just this like gorgeous 
pillowy soft, oh. like doughy thing. Oh. And there may be like a tiny bit of steam is yes. uh, escaping from it. Oh, and yes. Especially if you're sitting right outside. People just walk around with just like sacks of these things. And they're just like, just throwing them back. It, you know, as you know, and as I know, growing up in the Midwest, when it's any, what, 40, 50, 30 degrees outside? Yes. You want to be eating warm, delicious carbohydrates all day. That's true. And I mean, th this was one of just the great expressions of that I feel like I've ever had. What, one way of also just thinking about the New York versus Montreal bagel situation. If I want a bagel with locks, I want a New York bagel. Okay. If I just want a bagel, I want a Montreal bagel. The, a bagel unadorned mm -hmm. because it's it's perfect uh, sure. as its own vehicle. And you don't need to, no. um, you don't want anything else on no. it. No. If, if you want to get a little, you know, to-go thing of Philly cream cheese and, and dunk that, go right ahead. It's yeah. not going to hurt it at all. Yeah. But it, you also um, are are perfectly happy having one of those um one of those Montreal bagels, absolutely on their own. So if you start your day that way, where do you go from there, eating-wise? You just lean more into the carbs. Oh. <laughs> I mean, again, like when you go, no breaks in Montreal. Yep. You, just, you don't take any breaks in Montreal. So right next door uh, to um, Fairmount, um, which is the other like iconic bagel place, um, there is a walk-up window. It's an Italian place called... Okay, this is another pronunciation that I'm going to absolutely butcher. Apologies to Montreal. Drogeria, D-R-O-G-H-E-R-I-A. Just a walk-up window. You are presented with an enormous iron vat, and they just say, would you like gnocchi? And you say, <laughs> of, of course. Yes, please. Yeah. And they open the vat, and I mean, it is seriously, like, at least, like, three feet wide by about like four or five feet deep. Huh? It, it, just huge. And they spoon out just this gorgeous, like helping of gnocchi that has been cooked all day in their own tomato sauce. Okay. And they put it right into uh, just a little like Chinese food container. Yes. With some Parmesan cheese and some, uh, and some, you know, like some red pepper. And again, you're outside. It's, maybe like 40, 50 degrees, you're holding this heat source. Yeah. You can also, now in jest, yeah. it is absolutely ingenious and um, absolutely delicious. And, you know, in my workaday life, am I going to uh, chase <laughs> a couple of bagels with gnocchi? No, but on this trip, it makes utter sense. And I really think it's something that you have to do if you're, if you're on this trip. Well, I love that back to back because if you're going to enjoy the bagels, the way that you've described them, which is, you know, un unadorned and, you know, you're kind of wanting to explore the subtlety of that, that sweetness and just sort of, you know, take in those carbs, um, in the, in the manner in which like they, it's hot, it's boiled, it's out. Um, then, then, Stepping into something that's got some acid. Oh, absolutely. That's got, you know, if they can get into your nose. Yes. You could take it, the salsa element of yes. it. Now, here's the thing I wonder about. What you described in terms of of the the um, container for these things, how do you think they maintain their integrity? Uh, why, why aren't the, the Nokis falling apart if, if, if they're in this giant, uh, uh, you know, iron vessel i think it's the i think it's the 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 genius of the construction of you know because i i guess i guess it's gnocchi is technically a pasta right mm -hmm. but instead of you know having this this noodle yeah this long noodle that could disintegrate over time it's these little like 
power packs yes. of uh, of dough that um that just they, they really just stand up all day and and I feel like if anything my guess is that they would get better throughout the day okay. they just get softer they um they just you know kind of like like sing with the tomato sauce yeah. more and more and um it it, it it it's funny though it, it it that's a good point they definitely were not like the texture was perfect mm-hmm. there was um enough give that it wasn't just it didn't just fall right apart right um but it was also soft enough that it was one could call it adult baby food and and not not be not be upset at all. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's I mean honestly, what a perfect way to describe Noki. That's right. All right. So you start your day that way. That means you probably don't need to eat anything until dinner time. Uh, pretty right. much. So w- one of the um, my wife and I have definitely perfected the two meal a day plan. Yeah. When when um, traveling, especially if you're on the West Coast and then you go to the East Coast, you're going to be waking up late and staying up late. Yes. You know, your, your, your body clock is on that. So right. that's a, that just lends itself perfectly to brunch and late dinner every day. I How mean, like great. what better like way to travel I'm telling is there, you. you know? Yes. So you definitely, you carbo load uh, around maybe like late morning, midday, walk around a beautiful city, you know, go through some bookstores, go through some little art galleries, things like that. Uh, and then, um, you know, whenever your body tells you, then you like find a place and start drinking wine and eating copious amounts of food. All right. Let's talk about this dinner because this is really the thing when we bumped into each other, you know, uh, the food gods wanted us to be in each other's company at this moment, talking about this dinner, because you, you were, you were, the, the, the food gods knew how, how right. you were just bursting right. uh, to, to share this with all of our taste buds out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. So the, 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 the reason this came up our, our conversation uh, is that you uh, logically asked me, well, did you go to Joe Beef? And I said, no, we didn't go to Joe Beef. We had reservations at the, basically the other Joe Beef in town. Again, apologies for pronunciation. Uh, a French uh, Canadian restaurant called Au Pied du Cochon, des Cochons. Um, that was the day after the meal that we're about to talk about. Um, this meal was at a wine bar restaurant called Mon Le Pan, which is, uh, operated by the Joe Beef people. Um, and it was an epic, um, journey, a uh, personal battle against, um, French food and wine <laughs> that, um, I don't want to give too much away, but I, I would say that I nobly lost. Mm. Um, but, uh, like the, 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 the journey itself was worth it. It's, um, it's, a uh, small, um, uh, maybe, uh, uh, like not, not more than two dozen, uh, uh, tables in oh, this, so uh, like a wine bar kind space. of vibe. Yes, I yes, see. exactly. Um, you go in, absolute perfect, no reservation. So you just get there and you just wait. That could be uncomfortable, but immediately there is an extremely friendly, um, extremely knowledgeable server asking you if you want wine. The answer is yes. (laughs) And so immediately he is just pouring you um, just these delicious French reds to try. Uh, You walk up, you're standing there. You're like, yeah, we want to eat at some point. Okay, let me pour you while you're standing here waiting. It, it, it really makes you think, why isn't every restaurant, there are lots of reasons, but why aren't they investing in this very, like, this welcome? Yeah. Because right away, uh, uh, Erica, my wife, and I were like, we'll, we'll, we'll 
happily wait, you know, yes. like this, it, the, like the servers are very cool. We have delicious wine right away. Um, so got some, uh, got some reds. They were great. Um, the, uh, the menu is all in French as an English only speaker. You might think, Oh, now here's how great this place is. At some point, a server comes over to you, walks you through the entire menu. Because they know that half oh, of their- Oh, because you're standing there waiting. Yes, yeah. And while, during this wait period. Right, yes, yeah. So, I mean, like, the service is just impeccable, like, from front front to back. Mm. Um, we finally get, uh, we're, we're seated. Wait wasn't really too long. But you know how, like, when you're at a place, you're drinking the wine, you're looking at what other people are The are anticipation eating. is building. I'm the, sitting I mean, here and have been having this anticipation. The dam is about to burst. And this ended up being my personal downfall. Um <laughs> We sit down, we order, and just gorgeous dish after gorgeous dish starts to move. I mean, you're talking about um, a beautiful plate of beef tartare. Mm-hmm. You're talking about um, some like delicious razor clams. Sure. Um, you're talking about uh, it's like a fascinating dish of uh, uh, curried snow crab. Oh. This is something also to mention about Montreal. It's snow crab season right now okay. up in Montreal this is a reason to go while it's still like a chill in the early chilly spring. Yes. Snow crab all over the place. So Absolutely how do you, what, how, walk me through this dish. I don't understand. So curry the, in a, in a little container and then you dip no, this. Like how do no, you do this? It's, it's, it, it's still like the, the, the claws. Okay. Um, that are like cracked, yes, cracked open sure. for you, but there's just sort of like, um, like braised or cooked in like a very light, ah. uh, like curry, like dressing. Okay. Basically. Okay. Yeah. And then you have these little cubes of, um, of like almost like fingers of toast. Yes. And you just kind of use those to eat the crab. I see. And um, delicate. Uh, the curry is not overpowering mm-hmm. because you you like snow crab itself is sort of a delicate flavor. You don't want something that's going to just completely drown it out. And they got this balanced just absolutely uh, perfectly. Wow. So those three dishes were sort of like the, um, those are the ramp up. The roller coaster is, is going up. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm on, you know, like glass, like two, 2.5 at this point. Mm. And then the main events uh, start to come down. There's, there is a, a, a dish. Uh, it is, this is what it is. Ham and Parmesan cheese. That's it. Two of the greats. Two of the greats. Two things that in various guises could just be a complete, you know, bore. Absolutely delicious. Just thinly shaved. Um, just like mounds of it. The presentation is is simple, but just just really pleasing. And we just went to absolute town. Uh, sure, on right. That, that yeah. was great. So my concern would be at that moment of the meal, like your your everything's turned on because mm-hmm. you had enough alcohol, mm-hmm. you've had your two and a half glasses, mm-hmm. you've had some incredibly savory, mm-hmm. you know, between the razor clams, the curry with yeah. the stone crab, the tartare. Yeah. There's you've had some rich things. Yeah. And my challenge, and maybe I don't mean to step on this the story here, the ham and parmesan is out. It's like it's it's go it's, time. Y- there's a sense of invincibility. Um, I don't know if any of you guys have ever experienced this, but alcohol sort of fuels those feelings. What? I don't know if that's just me. What are you talking about? Is that uh, an LA thing? Yeah, right. So there's one dish uh, to come and they, um, recommended that you have it at the end. They called it a salad, which is an awful, awful lie. It was, um, it was a foie gras dish. Um, Oh, that's not salad. My God. It was, it was deceptively, um, small. 
but it was a plate of, um, I can't remember the greens. Uh, this is where the memory of the evening starts to get a little fuzzy anyways. <laughs> you shouldn't remember the greens if there's foie gras that's on right, the plate. That's right. The, there were some greens that added some crunch, but it was basically just like another like cloud of just shaved foie gras. Oh my gosh. And at that point, I'm on um, glass number four and um, we dive into the foie gras. Now, I, I have just like a, 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 a um, straightforward American palate. Yes. Foie gras is delicious to me. Mm-hmm. By about bite three, I am really struggling. Yeah. It is the richest of the rich. Right. And, but at this point, this has really just been just an absolute epic meal. Um, you know, when the servers are so cool and fun, there comes a point where you don't want to let them down. Right. right? Yeah. You've you don't want this, them to come back. this relationship. Absolutely. Absolutely. And because every single one of the recommendations had been absolutely on point. Yes. And so... If, that mutual satisfaction, that mute, that exchange you've had, you have these new lifelong friends who've been walking you through this journey. It's I a know, journey. I know. It's a journey. And so after about bite three of the foie gras, I'm thinking, okay, logically I should be done, but I can't disappoint my new friends. <laughs> so <laughs> you then cannot, you, 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 can't. You, you, you forge ahead and by about the end, um, I was, uh, um, as I said, I feel like it was a a noble loss okay. to uh, to the, the 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 cuisine. I was upright, I was coherent, uh, but um, dessert was not in the cards. No. that night, and there's nowhere to go after foie gras. No way. There's nowhere to go. No you, you, bed is the yeah, only place. Absolutely. It's, and then you know it's fifty fifty whether the bed is the floor of the restaurant. Absolutely. I mean that's the challenge. Yeah. Can I get out of here without yeah. without making a scene? It was outlawed recently in California. Right. And a lot of people are up in arms about that. I think maybe for my own personal uh sense of health, I think that I'm not going to complain about that. <laughs> but it was anyways, uh this was a just an absolute um perfect meal. Even though my own foibles uh, notwithstanding, I would recommend it to uh, anybody who really wants a sense of like what Montreal um, cuisine and hospitality is like right now. That's so terrific. So we're only uh, a little bit, we're only halfway into the trip. So the next day has got to be a recovery day. Absolutely. I mean, we, we, we went, we, we went harder than we probably meant to on day two. So day three was uh, let's chill at the Airbnb a little bit. Uh, went to a really fun diner called Beauties, which is, um, you know, what an uh, iconic uh, Jewish diner in the middle of the city. If you live in Oakland and you're familiar with Beauties Bagels, I think the name is um, inspired by that. Cool. Had a great, uh, straightforward breakfast, again, with a bagel, bagels everywhere. Um, and that was about it for the first part of the day. Uh, watched some Netflix. Uh, there, it got hazy a little bit in the uh, in the middle of the day, uh, but then we struck out. We 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 headed back out because we're like we're not going to let this defeat us, right? And um, so it, the, our our solution was well, now let's go go get poutine, yes. which makes perfect sense. I right? agree with this. So um, walk around to a few different places. Have you had poutine before? Uh, I had had poutine. Um, in Los Angeles okay. at our, um, Oh, your spot. Yes. Yeah. At our beloved beer garden. Yeah. That was a completely different situation. There right. was like some like braised Korean short rib on that. It's great. Yeah. But I don't feel like I had had like classic right. poutine. Right. Uh, went to a few, uh, places that had been on some, some lists. 
like lines just absolute out the door. Yeah. We weren't in the mood for that. Yeah. We ended up at uh, another iconic place that was going to be on our list anyways, a place that anyone has to visit called uh, Schwartz's Deli. Okay. Um, real landmark. Mm. Um known for their um smoked meats yeah smoked meat sandwich sure um so we get in there we were lucky that the line there was manageable mm. um because they also have poutine on the on the menu so our our, our recovery meal from lots of foie gras was smoked <laughs> meat and poutine which just shows sort of the mental calculus that you make when you're on a on a trip like this yeah um Perfect. Um, yeah. If you care about uh, like all the expression of um, meats in the world, Schwartz's is the place you have to go. And the boutine was, I would say, like a very like straight ahead, um, like not trying too hard version of the dish. You yeah. have the fries, you have the gravy, you have the cheese curds. Um, really great. And uh, if you go to Schwartz's, which you should, you have to get the coleslaw. Oh, which is I wasn't expecting this. You wouldn't, and looking at it, it looks like an extremely uh, straightforward, simple version of the dish. There is some herb in there that mm. gives it just enough of a savory note. Okay, it is great, and really, what you have to do is you have to put it on the sandwich. Okay, sure. That's yeah. I'm a coleslaw on a sandwich kind it's, of guy. I mean, I, I kind of insist on it. The, the, these two things were meant to live together. That's that. Of course, of course. Well, yeah. that, that okay, good. So uh, you've recovered. Um, yeah, it seems like you, you have like kind of one more big day to get after it. Yeah. How, how do you do it? Yeah. Well, more bagels. I mean, we're really like, we're really hitting the bagels <laughs> sure, hard. Sure. And so we start, uh, the, 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 the last full day, um, St. St. Viator has a cafe, which is a lot of fun. Um, really like friendly vibe. I would say if you're there for, if you're in Montreal for just a few days, maybe just focus on the walk-up spots. But um, I got a bagel BLT, which was just- Sure. It was great. Yeah. Fantastic. Why wouldn't you? Absolutely. Um, there was actually, though, before we got to the cafe, I didn't put this in the notes. This was actually a um, contender for the best thing we had on the trip. Okay. There's a um, pastry right now, very trendy- no one knows how to pronounce it. I'm going to say Kuinaman. K-O-U-I-G-N. And then like dash A-M-M-A-N. Uh, I don't even. No no clue. I, and, I can and, barely and, say Giannis. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> right. It, it is kind of the Giannis of pastries right now. <laughs> oh. You see him in a lot of like coffee shops and, and, and um, bakeries in, in Los Angeles. There is a um, there is a bakery called Patisserie Queen Amon. Sure, that that's exactly uh, what I would it expect. Was on to our be walk, um, usually the the Queen Amons are sort of like fist sized little um, like uh, kind of crunchy bits of buttery. So inside a dough. small fist, uh, yes, or yeah. inside an adult fist. Uh, inside uh, uh, e either or, you can find it, both. I see. At this place, it was as big as a pizza, and so you get hey a, a wedge of it. Okay. Um, absolute like must eat in your lifetime this thing what it's, is it it's so pastry is amazing because they all basically have the same ingredients yeah. but they can just be expressed in different ways it's um again this perfect combination of this like crunch on the outside mm -hmm. doughy gorgeousness on the inside um very sweet but backed by this salty note okay that um you don't get, I don't think, in some of the in some of the other ones that you'll see in um, a trendy trendy bakeries right now, um, <clears throat> in just like shellacked with some sort of like 
uh, buttery, sweet um, right. crunch on the outside. I got it. Um, you possibly ate like a stick of butter in that one wedge. Don't do, don't like feel bad about it whatsoever. Why why would you? Um so that was that was the first part of that day. Um biked around. Quick note, definitely um they have like a city bike situation mm-hmm. in Montreal they call it Bixie. Definitely do that. Bike along the St. Lawrence River. Awesome. Absolute blast. Yeah. So much fun. There's a um outdoor market called Atwater Market there. Very fun. If you live in Montreal, I believe like what you do is when it's warm, you go to Atwater Market, you get some cheese, you get some charcuterie, you get a bottle of wine, go chill by the river. Oh. Absolute great time. Yeah. Too cold for that. So this is our last uh, last day. Um, so we went to another Joe Beef situation. Not a Joe Beef. This yeah. whole thing was sort of like- <laughs> Two different Joe yes, Beef, right. uh, 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 you know- empowered entities Absolutely. out of their empire. Yes. So this place was called uh, La, La Vem Papillon. Okay. A um, similar cousin to Mon Le Pong. Uh, um, you know, kind of a bar, wine bar, restaurant kind of vibe. The original idea was we were just going to go in for, it was early, it was like four or five. Yes. Go in for a quick little wine snack. Yeah. Figure out something later. Right. Two hours later, I mean, just forget <laughs> about it. Um uh, th- this time it was white wine. We just, let's let's change it up. All right, a little earlier in the day, sure. so we do white wine. Yeah. Um, uh, more snow crab. This time was just like a straightforward steamed and then chilled. Okay, absolutely gorgeous. Um, there was some. Uh, there was a uh, head of roast cauliflower. Uh, that was um for the hell of it. They just um dressed it in a bunch of like fried chicken skin. Sure, let's do that. I agree with this. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh. How is what's the size of the chicken skin in relation to the the cauliflower? It is very present. It is it's it, it, in little bits oh, okay. sprinkled that's, all throughout. I, that's why I'm asking because immediately I started biting down on the idea of taking this. What if I took the skin and took the cauliflower and wrapped the oh, cauliflower God. in a chicken skin? God, if they, I mean, if I, that I, was an option, I, I think you might have just like. Um, Outriched Montreal, which is <laughs> really just like quite, quite, quite an achievement. Um, uh, had a few other dishes, and then ended with um, the best dessert of the trip, which was a maple mousse. You got to get maple at some point, you know, like uh, well, be that yeah, be sure, that guy. Sure, sure. It was uh, just, just, uh, just fantastic, and um, that was uh, that was about it for that for that night. You know, we, uh, um, we at that point we knew our pacing, yes. and we knew when to uh, when to. Hold up. You were on it. Yeah. Well, you learned your Montreal pacing. It only took four days. About four days. You need about four days. Um, All right. So let's end it and then let's give out a superlative. um, Wrapped up with kind of a left uh, left turn here at the end. There's there's a place called uh, Lawrence. Okay. Uh, They have a few other offshoots. They have a cafe called Larry. They have a uh, bakery as well. Um, This is a, this is a, a, um, a, British cuisine spot. Okay. Again, showing the diversity of cuisine in Montreal. Yeah, sure. Um, the Brits also got their got their um, you know fingers into Montreal at some point. Just had a great classic uh, English breakfast. I mean, I didn't need these calories, right. but at this point, who's who's you, you aren't know, who's counting. counting? No, You're not absolutely. counting. That's Sausage, right. bacon, perfectly done egg, beans, just great, and yeah. some sautéed mushrooms. Um, 
So and, at any point in the trip, you get to, uh, uh, a hungry homie could stick their head into Lawrence and have this uh, terrific bref- breakfast. Uh, perfect brunch. Be, yeah, perfect brunch. Yeah, there you go. All right, so let's let's do it. Best thing I ate this week. Um, I, can you choose just one? It's very hard, but taking my um, taking my my personal biases into account, it has to be the bagels. Okay, it really does. Just because. Again, I'm someone, and my wife and I share this, really care about bagels. Yes. Think about them a lot. Talk about them a, a lot. And they're just, um, if you want to know about like uh, like Montreal as a place, yes. you can really learn a lot by just biting into one of these bagels. Again, it's cold outside. You're, ho- you're holding this warm, kind of like rustic thing. There's something about it being a circle. It's very, you know, just sort of like uh, elemental. Yeah. And um you're just sitting there and you're just eating this perfect combination of crunch and doughiness. And I would, it, you have to do it when you're in Montreal. Well, I, 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 out of all the things as we talked about, um, the course of your trip here, uh, I, I thought, you know, the bagel was going, you know, that's a, that's a cherished, uh, item to, to, to enjoy, but it's not. It was an underdog in terms of the best thing that I expected you to to report on. Bagels um, are 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 almost always underdogs. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons that um, that uh, we love them uh, so much. Um, and you know, th- they're you. There are great bagels all over this continent, and they are much more diverse than you would ever think. Uh, to get like the full understanding of the Montreal has to be uh, one of your stops along the way. So what we're saying is Montreal bagels for the win. Absolutely. Chief, thank you so much. What Joe. a wonderful tour. This is great. I'm starving. Actually, I'm full now. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> That's right. the feeling yes. that I have. Yes. I can't wait for the next uh, adventure that you go on. Thanks, okay. my friend. We'll do it. All right. Thanks, man. All right, there we go, Hungry Homies. Another beautiful house of carbs in the books. What a time to be Canadian. Not only are the Toronto Raptors in the NBA Finals, but our own ringer homie, Craig Gaines, up in Montreal, taking in all the delicious, savory bites and sights. Speaking of savory bites and sights, Craig did a beautiful job documenting his experience up there. We're going to get the picks up. At the House of Carbs is the IG that's shorthand for Instagram. That is our Instagram handle, at the House of Carbs. You're going to see the Chief's beautiful pictures capturing so much of the meals that he described on today's show. We are back next week, my hungry homies. Juliet is on. There's a lot of food news in May. I've been t- taking notes, keeping track. Juliet's on. We're going to do the month rundown of, of all the food news. And there's a couple uh, of delicious bites that we have to cover as well. Until next week, my taste buds, let's stay hungry out there.